Welcome to NFTeach. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. I'm joined on this very special episode by Jordan Bain, who is a filmmaker, the extraordinary idea for a project. And that project is an NFT project called Red Flags. We're going to get into this project, Jordan's background, and why NFTs are a really compelling uh, mode of distribution for filmmakers. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here I am talking with Jordan Bain. Let's go. Joining me on the Aspen NFT guest line is none other than filmmaker Jordan Bain. Jordan, welcome to NFT. How are you today? I'm great. I'm, I'm really excellent and super happy to be here with you and, and uh, just um, have conversations about NFTs and films and animals. All of it. We're here for all of it today on this lovely January afternoon. Uh, you know, you've been making films, you've been a filmmaker and an actor for quite some time. Um, so why don't you just take people, let's go pre NFT. Let's just take, who is Jordan? Let's start there. Sure. Um, yeah, I started out in, in the business, uh, about 25 years ago as an actor and, um, and at that time, and I mean, it's changed mostly in the last five years, but at that time, there were not a lot of roles for women. You know, if you think about films, and especially the big films, you, you if you just imagine a poster, you see like, you know, eight guys and, and, and one woman, and she was usually sort of ancillary, right? Like on the, uh, on the arm of, of the hero. So, um, as much as I loved acting, and I still love acting a lot because I think there's something very beautiful about the process and the connection that um, you know actors who really uh, love to dive into things um, give each other. Um, I was very frustrated by the the lack of opportunities to to do complex things. So I started writing, um, and I thought, well, if if I'm not going to be given the opportunity to 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 um, you know do a role that's super complex. If they're not going to come down, you know, if they're not going to be written for women, I'm going to write them. So I started writing, and I and 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 then in the course of writing, uh, I realized that I didn't want anyone else to direct them. And then I know. these are your babies. <laughs> totally, it was like the vision is so strong, and and and, and I think one of the cool things is that. I write from the place of being an actor, like the same process and that um, the same type of diving into the emotional uh, landscape of the, of the character really um, gave me the opportunity to build backstory and build story and, and, and create complex characters. And so it was almost like they were so married for me. I didn't see how anyone else could direct them at that time. But then I realized I had no idea what I was doing, and that I um, I needed to make sure that that the story was served. And I'm very big on the story being the most important thing. You know, whether no matter what your what your um, you know whether you're a gaffer or the star actor or the director, I feel like the story is the is the thing we all should be serving. 
And I was like, there's no way I can be in front of the camera and behind the camera. I don't know what I'm doing. So I chose to get behind the camera um, until I started to feel um, more comfortable there. And I, you know, uh, did a couple of short films and one of them we did an Oscar run with, we did a full Oscar campaign and, um, it stars Melissa Leo who herself won, um, an Oscar for the fighter and, uh, Peter Garrity, who's one of the most incredible character actors. If you don't know him, go back and check him out on the wire. Um, and, um, and homicide and, uh, and I got really fortunate with with them. Um, and I always say the best thing you do as a director is, is cast. And if you get your cast right, then then your work is really mostly done. Um, and so from there, yeah, I um, after that Oscar run, um, I thought that there'd be opportunities. And I learned very quickly again that there are a few opportunities for women um, and I'm white, so let's just break that down even more. Even less opportunities for black women and BIPOC um, uh, humans. Um, I mean, even black men. Um, so it became, again, another one of those things where I felt like I was um, pounding my head against closed doors. I have, uh, you know, there's a saying in, in our business, if you can get the funding, you can get the actor. If you can get the actors and package the actors, then you can get the funding. And so I started um, doing a lot of work in Europe, and I was very specifically working out of Madrid. And, um, and for a decade, I lived between Brooklyn and Madrid. And I started to develop relationships with some amazing actors there. So um, right before Netflix went to Spain, um, I started uh, building, writing some feature films and some television series and things like that for some actors there because I was like, they're amazing. They're absolutely incredible actors. I want to work with them. And if, you know, if I can't get the caliber of actor that I need out of Hollywood because the doors are closed, I have that caliber right here. So I packaged a couple of feature films and, um, and then ran into the same problem again, um, which was a lot of closed doors. It didn't matter that I had like what's considered A-list Spanish actors that you see all over Netflix now, like in all the leads. Um, the doors were still closed. And so the pandemic hit and filmmaking ceased to <laughs> Exist. Like like everything, cease. <laughs> like, yeah, and um, and you know, but there's no. You could maybe write, but you couldn't like do. I mean, although some people did do some remote directing, and I and and there were some very creative things that did go on eventually. For the most part, getting on set at first was not happening, um, and so you know, I'd been in crypto for a while, and. Um, I started thinking about NFTs. I'd first heard about them in 2017, a guy named Art Gnome, you might know him. Um, and I always thought, what in the world is he talking about? Why is he talking about these things, these crypto kitties? Who cares about crypto kitties? Well, I care a lot about crypto kitties now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I wish I had cared about crypto kitties in 2017. Me too. Uh, and so um, that led me into the NFT space um, this year. And then I realized this is this is going to be an incredible space for filmmakers. And so I, I founded the NFT Filmmaker Squad in March. And we started um, meeting weekly. Uh, every Wednesday, we've been meeting and onboarding filmmakers and um, and trying to figure out how we can carve out uh, a space for ourselves in this ecosystem and, you know, and basically pioneer it for other filmmakers. That's super dope. Like, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you talk about the obstacles that you faced, you know, um, being a woman and being a white woman at that. And, you know, I, we've seen conversation around inclusion and inclusivity mainly focused around gender at this point. That's that's mostly, I've seen a little bit around black indigenous people of color. I've seen nothing around um, people who have disabilities. And so there's a lot of stuff that really needs to happen. And, and you know, I think that one of the things that people don't realize, and, and I talked about this in an episode I recorded yesterday, was like, there's not that many wallets out there. When you think about how many wallets that one person has, this space is still incredibly small. So if we're going to get more people involved, it's going to take on ramps for lots of people on the collector side and on the creator side uh, and, and, and people in lesser developed parts of the world. We're, we're going to have to be a bit more conscious of, of these things as, as we go along. And, some of that flies in the face of stacking money and day trading. And, and that's a big part of who's collecting right now, too. So you highlighted a lot of, of obstacles there. So why don't we jump into Red Flag specific, specifically, talk about the project, outline it for us, you know, what Red Flags is, and, and then we'll have. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. Last night was really the first time we did a major room on on Twitter spaces and talked about it and. Um, and I got to dive deep into into not only the the process but why it's important. Um, Red flags started. Well, let me let me backtrack. Um, when I started the NFT filmmaker squad, and we were trying to figure out where filmmakers fit here, one of the first obstacles that that again back to obstacles that. Uh, filmmakers are facing our file limitation sizes. So OpenSea, for instance, is 50 megabytes. Um, and at the time, and I'm talking back, back in March and April, we, we discovered Zora, but not a lot of people were on Zora at that point, um, and they have 500 megabytes. And we're, I'm talking back in March. So if you're a, a filmmaker and you're, you're shooting something in 4K and you really care about, like, you know, the cinematic quality of it, 50 megabytes hurts. <laughs> and there's no way that you're going to get a feature film on a blockchain. So the first thing that, you know, over the course of the conversations that we're having and different filmmakers coming in and, you know, um, as we tried to, to figure out what was all the different unique paths forward that we, that we were brainstorming, I realized that we needed a case study. Um, someone in the squad, for instance, who's been talking about it for months, you know, actually, you know, get something on the blockchain. And I had a hard drive full of things, but I, I, none of them felt like the right moment for the genesis, like the, you know, I think a lot of, we talk about genesis, but I think 
an artist's voice is you you want to establish that, and it's something I really learned. Even if you take a look at uh, Fuocious, you know what Fuocious's voice is. You know their voice. You know if you look at Justin Aversano, you know his voice is as a as an artist. If you look at Sabet, you know what his voice is as an artist, right? So it's not much different for the filmmakers. Um, so the, the the there was a in Discord someone made a query for us, does anyone do audiovisual? So I was like, um, yeah, you know, I DM'd, uh, I do. What's up? You know, would you be willing to um, look at this singer songwriter and see if there's you know anything that that interests you? And I was like, sure, you know, um, and so this uh, this executive producer now, Margaret Corbin, she's awesome and an awesome poet in her own right in, in the in the NFT space. Um, she vetted me and I went and looked at uh, Aaliyah Sheffield, the, the composer, singer-songwriter. I looked at a few of her demo things on YouTube and she's she's phenomenally talented. And I, but there was one song that I was like, I, I, I can make a story out of this. Like I can make something from this, but it won't be a music video. Um, and so I met with Aaliyah and her producer and I met with Margaret and it, you know, it all kind of was pretty fluid and Margaret put up a shoestring budget for us. Cause I said, I can do it. You know, I really can accomplish something for this, not less than this, you know, um, but I can accomplish this. Um, and I, um, I wrote a script. I actually wrote a script inspired by the song Red Flags. And, um, and I wanted to change the, I wanted to change the narrative because the song, it romanticizes intimate partner violence, like we all do often, right? Um, it, I think we see that we've seen that in Disney fairy tales and Grimm's fairy tales. It's just it's historically this 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 idea of true love, no matter what, um, I think can create a toxic cycle. Um, and so I wanted to change that narrative, and I felt like the song had the raw power and beauty. Um, to work with this. And so I wrote a script where it was about breaking the cycle of toxic relationships. And, um, and I knew that by taking on this subject matter that, um, that I needed to tell it in, in a way that, that was unflinching, that was raw, that was honest, but also like a lot of the work that I do, it might be really heavy or, um, you know, I, I, I tend to write about or, you know, direct things that that might seem dark, but there's, um, I think, always there's something that, some transformation and, and hope. And so in Red Flags, I, I wrote the script and, you know, ultimately uh, it was an exploration for me of an act of courage, whether she was able to have the courage to, to leave this toxic relationship. And, um, I went to my buddy, Jared Roybal, who's the cinematographer, 
And he, I knew he would be perfect because I knew he would understand. We have a great language. I knew he would understand stylistically how important using light and shadow was for me because the relationship is half in the light and half in shadow. Um, so a lot of little details that I was really excited to work with him on stylistically, we baked it into the actual shoot instead of relying on color grade afterwards. Um, we really trusted that and our team. Um, our team came in uh, incredibly respectful and inspired by the topic. And, um, and then I found Gabriel Furman, who's a friend of mine, We'd want to work. We had wanted to work together for years, and and I knew he'd be brave enough to take on the ant, the antagonist, you know. And I and I do want to say that. I, and I said I've said this a couple of times um, to to I think in in rooms, but in Twitter spaces that I it's very important to me that there are no monsters here. He's not a monster. He's just a broken little boy. And they're both feeding into this relationship until they're not, right? So, and I think I achieved that by by being able to find some sort of empathy in him. Um, and, and a lot of that's due to Gabriel as well and his beautiful performance. And then there's Izzy Laborde, who um, I honestly believe is going to be a huge movie star. Um, I found her through Jay-Z's uh, seven uh, smiles, smiles. I was looking for a very specific actress, and it was really important to me that she, because uh, Aaliyah is black, and it was very important to me that um, Aaliyah had that representation, and so that the lead actress um, need, had to be black for me. And I found her by chance, and I literally tracked her down online, and. And I was very fortunate that she responded. I didn't audition her. I had a conversation with her, like on Zoom, and I could tell. I could tell. I, I knew she had all I needed, and um, and she is phenomenal. I mean, truly, I think I've used this word phenomenal, but I think I have a lot of phenomenal yeah, talent and, and around me. How challenging was it to think about how you were going to tell this story? And, and as you mentioned at the front end with this serious file capacity issue for, for how, like, like how do you approach that as a filmmaker versus, you know, knowing that you in a different media have the ability to tell that story as long as you'd like, right? Uh, what goes into your mindset as a filmmaker when you have such a, I guess, I mean, I would describe it as a weird parameter that is not something you typically have to contend with. Totally, totally. So, um, so the months prior, as I was thinking, what is it, you know, what am I going to mint on the blockchain and how am I going to live within these parameters? Um, there's no way I can do it for 50 megabytes. And then I knew that. So I was waiting for some other um, platforms to kind of come up to speed for us, but no one really did unless they were like a gated platform, you know, and... Um, but the cool thing is that there's this uh, hip-hop artist, Latasha, and she was just blowing Zora up. Like, she is, she's, I think she single-handedly, like, lifted Zora into, like, a really incredible platform. 
um, and Latasha's dropped a few mu- music videos there, and a lot of the a lot of uh, you know music video people are coming around and dropping their their projects there. So um, I felt like why not? They they seem to really love um, this format. They've got 500 megabytes. So going into that, I knew that it had to be short. I knew that it that it couldn't be more than four minutes. Um, and the song, you know, I, that's why doing a song felt right to me. Like putting it, being inspired by the song, even though it's scripted and there's a narrative. Like it has a, it's a story. It has a beginning, middle, and an end. It's not like a bunch of, you know shots you see in a music video they're kind of just but, but, but you know the complexity of rhythm. telling such a heavy story when every frame carries so much yeah. weight i would imagine is really challenging as a storyteller like you know to your point around how the light and the shadow were like all of these things there are no throwaway scenes there are no throwaway moments when you're compacted to, to this sort of time frame so you know when, when it comes to the actual creation of the script and of the storyboard like how how do you I, I don't know like how how do you work through those intricacies in in uh, a smaller time frame like with what you were working with in this? That is an awesome question. Um, I love this question. It's haiku yeah. poetry. It's a great way to explain that's, it. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, you the, it is economy of of choices. It's economy of emotional beats. Really, economy of mo- emotional beats. And so, to be able to know that, and there's there's a really awesome scene on the cutting room floor. I mean, I did try to pack more in there, but it you know it didn't work. Uh, it it wasn't necessary. So, it is really you know. It, it, there, there can be no fat on this. You know, you you cut away all the fat and and you bring it down to the essence. And um, I mean, as a screenwriter, I think I've been doing it for so long that and and it's not easy. I'm not at all saying screenwriting is easy. In fact, I find it incredibly challenging because of that. Because you really have to you have to take that that sense of flow and and work within a structure. So I knew that I knew going in that. There were a couple of things I was doing that were really risky, choosing to shoot at 120 frames per second instead of 24 frames per second. Um, but I wanted that, I wanted that intensity yeah. and that intimacy. And so you could see it. I, I felt like we would miss the emotional beats of this particular, the intimacy of, of the struggle, of the struggle for both of them not just her. He's struggling too. He's struggling the fact that he loves her, but he's struggling with his demons, yep. right? And so to find that that balance of being able to give them both um, the breadth of the joy of, of the love of their relationship and the pain and the, and the inner turmoil, um, I'm, I'm not... Honestly, the reason I don't let people edit my stuff, <laughs> see, I write it, I direct it, I edit it, um, is because sometimes um, it, the story lives so inside of me. Like you're asking me a question and I'm like, it's a great question, but I'm having a hard time articulating it because the story lives inside of me and I have to intuitively follow You have to see it through, it. right? Like, to, yeah, and, and, and craft and, it. You know, 
this is less NFT focused than I imagined our conversation to be and more on the art of creation and creating than I expected it to be. But to me, creatives tend, I, I, I was a musician before I was a teacher and then a principal and then an NFT dude. I, I was a, a musician and there was like an overindulgence to a lot of musicians that I would jam with where like they could do something. Mm -hmm. So they would riff this riff that was like crazy. And what I found was like the best guitar players that I would play with would be the ones that understood the power of silence and understood how to create a moment through not doing as much as they could do and not overcomplicating the creative process, but the beauty of simplicity in of telling uh, a telling a story musically or sonically that 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 yes I I can riff like crazy and I can you know I can shred but I understand that that's not what the moment calls for like as a filmmaker and you've lots of experience but like how did you cultivate your skills to be able to recognize just because you can do more it doesn't the moment doesn't necessarily require it because I got to imagine that's not something that comes naturally or instinctively at first. Oh, it's well, it is true. I love I love what you just talked about. Like I get super inspired because it makes me think of Miles Davis. Right. And it's about negative space. It's about silence. It's about the music in the silence. And um, and I feel like it's the same way. I am definitely, you know. I'm. I love acting, but to me, acting is not dialogue it's behavior. And, and it's one of the things actors, young actors, green actors, I taught acting around the world for a while. And, and it's, it was always, they want to talk, 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 because they don't want to actually reveal in behavior what they're really feeling. So they talk over it. And I feel like it's a lot the same in film. You get these films that are just talking, talking, talk, 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 especially an independent film. It's like, ah, <laughs> talk, talk. And I'm like, Hmm. I'm someone who comes from the Tarkovsky school of filmmaking. I'm, I'm, I'm a less is more person, you know, again, Kieslavsky, you know, all of these sort of European, uh, you know, Tarkovsky's Russian, but European masters, Bergman in the silences, in the moments, in the looks, in the, like that to me is where, I mean, even think about it in life, like, you just sit back and people watch. It's not in the com. You don't have to hear the conversation. All you have to do is feel the see the behavior, see a look. You know that someone gives. And for me, a look is is far. If you can capture that, like there's a look. Well, both actually, both actors. I have to tell you, and I would love for you to go back and look at this. There's a moment in the outside scene, right before he he, he flips. When he wreck, like you see it change, and it's so subtle in Gabriel, this subtle little look he gives her, and I, I just find all the power there because for me, I see everything come distilled down from the broken little boy to the confusion, to the love, to the, to the volcano getting ready to happen, and then there's a moment in the kitchen with her where she turns on the counter and he it's this is after they've had some some you know violent moments and you see her welcoming him 
just with her eyes, she sees him and you see her also feeling how powerful she is in that moment. This is all looks, you know, and they tell me so much. Um, and it's also uh, a testament to the power of so, these characters. So, you know, can you drop some specifics in terms of mint details if you have them, when, how much, how many, um, and, and give us any of that information. Um, and then just talk to, you know, sort of what your views are on, on NFTs as a platform for filmmakers in general. Sure. Um, so Red Flags is going to mint on the 26th of January um, on Zora uh, because it's a high t- it's a high ticket item because it it costs a lot more to make a film than it does to go in and you know draw something on Procreate and and then put that up. Um, and I insist on you know paying my my team a, as much of a sustainable living as as we can. Um, so the reserve is three ETH. Um, it would be lovely if we got that. It would be lovely if we got more. Um, and there's a split on that as well. So unfortunately, Zora doesn't do split wallets. So that's a whole other can of worms that I don't think we need to go into today, but definitely for any NFT collaboration, splits are, um, an important thing that we need to, um, we need, we need some sort of resolution for that in the future. Um, but, uh, we'll be having actually last night, Andrew Wayne, um, decided, uh, you know, Andrew, well, Andrew came into, he saw, he saw it. Um, he came into the room last night and he was basically like, I want to do the drop party. So I'm super psyched about that because I, I, I feel like that um, this is, you know, historically significant because there are not a lot of films or motion pictures or videos on the blockchain yet. And, um, and certainly not uh, many that have a full story, you know, uh, a beginning, middle and end, and also have social impact. So I'm hoping that uh, with Andrew's um, being able to get us more exposure, that uh, at that drop party, we will be able to find the right collector who will really understand the historical significance of of this film. Um, and then, as far as other filmmakers, you know, onboarding and the the there's a lot of cool things happening. So every Wednesday, the N- NFT Film Squad we get together. And in fact, it's going to become more than Wednesdays. We're going to be start to have more because so many filmmakers are starting to come, and there's so much conversation. And we kind of we've been talking so long that we we kind of you're are a, tribe. a like at this I point, don't know, you you're cadre. You, you've you've you know you've, yeah. you've sort of developed this rapport uh, around a really specific area that which is interesting. That's going to about to explode. You know, I think that. It's the time for music and I film so. to really be the PFP of 2022 of 2021. I think this is the opportunity for 2022. Yeah, I, I absolutely think we are right behind music. I think music is really sort of carving out the way. Um, there are some filmmakers uh, that have been, you know, have minted some things. Um, there's it's a lot of experimental stuff. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. I mean, I know a filmmaker tried to put a feature film on the blockchain, and there's just so many problems, right? Trying to watch it, um, 
Uh, but I, what I see is there are some platforms that are starting to come that, that are wanting to stream. Um, I'm ha having conversations like that. I think that you see um, some of the PFP projects that are actually creating story and backstory, and they're, you know, you see what Time has done with like Smiles, um, which is such a fabulous project with a fabulous team, and, and also what they've done, um, you know, what they're doing with Nyla um, and her project. Uh, they're making little, and Robotos, what they're doing with Robotos, so they're making little animated, like, series. So, you know, we're seeing media start to pick up, and some of it through PFPs, but for independent filmmakers, I, I really encourage um, them to come here because there are so many gatekeepers. There are so many gatekeepers. And so um, while, yes, it's still, like, we, ha we still have to figure out a way to, like, get the budget so that we can go out and make the thing, you know, okay, we can actually do something like drop a token, and then that token has utility, and then that utility actually creates community. And in this way, it to you, me, it's you far can, more secure. Yeah, you can to crowdfund your way, give people a. You create your own DAO, and you're off, and you don't. You're not getting you yep. some overbearing funder who's a pain in your ass and in, impacting your creative control. Um, and we kind of see this with what Jenkins has done with this community centric book, right? Like it, it, it this idea yes. of, and that's, I think lost in the pure decentralization conversation of what web three can do is, is the ability to, again, move from a web two. there's a couple companies that are the gatekeepers of this thing to this web three mode where, where people really have the, because like, even if you were a musician, yes, you can independently release your own album, but you still have distro that's going to go through one of these major music groups. And you're still going to have to contend with playing the game to some capacity to get your stuff out there. Um, the streaming services don't really pay per listen in a reasonable way. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Listen, Jordan, I want to thank you for coming on super excited for red flags to drop and for you to continue your great work and encouraging more filmmakers to enter this space. You are an official friend of NFT Nation, and we'll be happy to have you on anytime you have a project that you're working on. So thanks so much for joining today. Uh, thank you. This was awesome. I feel like that um, when we're given the chance, you and I could. Oh, chat no. About as soon as I hit stop, we're going to. Uh, this is just the end of the recording, not the conversation. <laughs> I love it. I love no, it. This is fabulous. Pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jordan Bain. As always, thank you so much for your support. Check out all the info for Red Flags. Uh, I've got the Twitter information in the show notes and you can follow along the progress of, of that drop and that project there as well as Jordan. I really enjoyed getting to speak with Jordan uh, about her project. So uh, without further ado, thank you so much for listening and, and tuning in. Uh, as for now, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off saying take care of yourselves and each other. Peace. Oh, my God.